Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Good morning, Cleveland. I've got one of my favourite guests back. We've got PFF data scientist Eric Eager. Eric, how are you doing? Doing well, man. The off season is uh, you know moving forward nicely, so uh, things you know can't complain much. No, it, it soon goes quick. Um, it felt like the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. Free agency happened two days before free agency even began, and it was already over. And then, um, no, the draft is nearly here. Yeah, I mean, and, and if you, you know, for Browns fans, interestingly, it's not really, you know, a, a draft that's going to be full of, you know, uh, intrigue in terms of first-round picks. But, you know, uh, in terms of later-round things, you know, you really get have to get into the weeds uh, for the Browns, unlike previous seasons where, you know, you had top-end picks, you know, multiple top-end picks, uh, you know, as recently as last year. Yeah, it feels weird to be looking forward to week one of the season rather than day one of the draft. Uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's a culture shift for us Browns fans. Yeah, and, and that's great. And I think the league is, I think the league is a lot better when, the, when it's like that. So I wanted to get you on today to discuss war. So wins above replacement. Just It's a really interesting concept and you hear, um, I listen to the PFF forecast um, when, whenever it's released and you hear the discussion. I just wanted to go into sort of more detail of what is war. Yeah, I mean, so the, the thing about war is that, you know, we, we want to be able to do when we're talking to teams or we're talking to consumers and, and things like that is we really want to be able to speak in a language that is, you know, that is coherent with everybody's uh, basically currency and, and the currency in the NFL is wins, right? So you're not, you know, you're not buying players, you're buying wins, as they said, in, you know, Moneyball. And I think that that, you know, so taking our grades and trying to translate that into, okay, what is this player worth? relative to a player that you can get off another team's practice squad or get off the street. And that's really what, you know, PFF war is, is really about. And, and what I think it does is it highlights, <coughs> excuse me, the, the value inherent in like running backs versus corners versus quarterbacks versus offensive linemen. It really shows some like really interesting asymmetries in the game, namely, you know, being a really good offensive lineman is not worth as much as simply going from being, you know, horrible to average at the offensive line position right whereas going from being horrible to average at quarterback isn't nearly worth as much as going from average to Pat Mahomes so like it it really does highlight I think a lot of like the really cool things that are inherent in the game of football so uh, I'm gonna make a bold prediction that quarterback is the position that has the best war what sort of the other key positions where you see the most benefit receiver and so you know if you're a Browns fan you're pretty happy there cornerback if a cornerback has a good season his war is going to be pretty high Um, on the flip side guys who are poor at quarterback or poor at receiver poor at corner uh, have some of the worst wars they cost their team quite a bit Um, so those are the three positions you know uh, obviously like you know edge player interior players those players if they're extremely elite they can 
they can really, uh, you know, uh, push that number up. But for example, for the Browns, the last, you know, last season, for example, it went Mayfield, Garrett, War, Landry, Peppers, Schobert, uh, before you get to any sort of player uh, beneath that. So like, you, you have an elite corner, but I think Denzel Ward's probably not as good at corner as Miles Garrett is at defensive end. So like Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett's marginally more valuable. Landry's a pretty good receiver, so he's going to pop up there because he had a decent season. And then uh, Jabril Peppers, who was a you know part of the Odell Beckham trade, was a pretty good safety last year, both in coverage and blitzing and stopping the run. So he pops up there uh, as a part of that. And so if you look at those, those are like the draft picks for the Browns. So the Browns are doing extremely well uh, drafting you know good players. And then you bring in Odell Beckham Jr. He would have been second on the on the uh, uh, Browns last year with 1.95 wins above replacement. So, well, wide receiver is an interesting one. B. Is it just the top of that wide receiver um, list that are really good when it comes to wall? Because I've always been one of those that I'm less, um, I don't believe that much in investing in the wide receiver. I'd rather spread the wealth and then you stack at sort of tight end and things like that. Is that a does the data say that's probably not a sensible strategy and it's get one or two of those really good wide receivers? Yeah, I would say that the tough part, and this is <clears throat> this clouds everything, is the fact that wide receivers are very hard to predict, right? So, you know, this isn't necessarily saying draft the guy, draft a wide receiver high all the time. We know that that oftentimes will result in a, not only a bust, but a bust where the player is, you know, not very usable. Um, so that's that's not really necessarily the the key, um, but what it is is saying is that if you have a receiver who is brilliant, go ahead and and pay him the money because you know that player, along with a good quarterback, could really enhance your passing game. Uh, and conversely, a, a, you know receivers that either can't catch the ball or receivers that you know really struggle to get open and get targets, those guys are really going to tank an offense. So it is very much secondary to the quarterback position and very much like difficult to project and the hit rate is super low. Um, but the guys that do hit end up offering a ton of value to their teams. And just to confirm, Hopkins is still number one in the NFL when it comes to wide receivers? Yeah, he, Hopkins is the most valuable non-quarterback in the NFL. So last season he was he was adding more value than any other player uh, besides like the top like ten or fifteen quarterbacks. Uh, he, he is a beast. Yeah. Um, running backs. It, it, it'd be wrong to uh, not chat about running backs to get if we've got you on because hey, we yeah. we both like cracking jokes at running backs on Twitter. Um, the Browns. I think there's a solid argument as things stand have the. Th- the best running back group of three players maybe ever assembled in the NFL with Chubb, with Hunt and with Duke Johnson. Does it matter though? Uh, So it depends upon how I I would say uh, as a first order consideration, no, as a second order consideration, probably not. Um, But, you know, Duke Johnson was worth like a, you know, uh, <clears throat> two fifths of a win last year as was Nick Chubbs and and again like but think about what Nick Chubb had to do for that to happen he was the best running back in the NFL a season ago in yards per carry after contact and that still didn't move the needle a ton uh for the Browns so Kareem Hunt also you know when I was on, I went on Kansas City Radio right when he got suspended and eventually released I said you know he's probably going to be worth a quarter of a win over the guy that you're going to replace him with and, you know, they were like, oh, that's remarkably low. And I think over, you know, 
but it's again it's it's not necessarily like these guys don't do things that are valuable they do things that are valuable but they're also like the most unpredictable so in terms of like year-to-year correlations between running backs even the ones that are really good receivers their war doesn't correlate year to year so like duke johnson will have a good year and then he'll have a so-so year because he doesn't get targets or he's hurt or something like that. Nick Chubb has a good year last year. He might not have a good year in the subsequent season. So it's really tough. Like, I do think, like, there – I think Kareem Hunt, for example, is, like, an extremely talented player at the position. I just don't know – like, if I'm looking at reasons the Browns are going to be good next year, like, there are, like, five things I'm going to look at before I even talk about the running backs. Yeah, and I think part of the argument – and war – points that out is is the replacement level because you can look at the rams they they had girly people were talking about hall of uh sorry um mvp discussions they pick up cj anderson off a, a pile of scraps and he looks basically the same player you had james connor um and lev bell the, the replacement level was so high that there's not going to be any real war for a running back yeah exactly the the guy off the street is actually you know can exactly the bar is just higher so you know whereas you know the the cj anderson of quarterbacks is not going to come in and replace blake bortles aptly as low as that bar sounds it's just the way it is whereas the blake bortles of running backs like leonard fournette or something like that some guy off the street might come in and do even better than him a damian williams of the world uh you know cj anderson all those guys like it's just the the scales are sliding and and for running backs it's not particularly uh you know, complimentary to them. Okay. Well, one last position I want to just touch on in terms of war is linebackers and PFF actually have linebackers as real linebackers, not just edge defenders. So before anyone gets confused, we're talking about real linebackers here. Yeah. I don't think they're that important. Um, personally, I would have one of them on the field if I'm up against 11 personnel. Um, I'll have a couple of safeties and three, a uh, um, couple of strong safeties and then three cornerbacks instead of having three linebackers are they less valuable in the game moving forward or is there still some value for linebackers I think it's a lot like receiver in the sense that you know the very elite guys can add a ton of value like Bobby Wagner's worth more than a full win I would say you know uh, Luke Keekley, you know even Joe Schobert can offer some value um, but I'm totally with you I would say you know safeties you can have them for more you know for cheap safeties can often do multiple things so some safeties can play in the box and play deep some safeties can play in the slot and play deep some guys can play you know linebacker and you know also come off the edge like uh like derwin james like whereas linebackers you're never going to be able to put a linebacker deep or you're never going to be able to put a linebacker in the slot and so from a team construction standpoint like i would just load up on safeties and essentially unless you have you know, an elite level linebacker, like a Bobby Wagner, like a, you know, a, yeah, I'm trying to think of like other names, but like, you know, even like a Jordan Hicks or somebody like that, then I would, you know, shy away from, from investing in the position. It's, uh, it's an interesting one. It's something the Browns are facing now with uh, Wilkes when he comes in, what scheme is he going to go with and directions there. So be interesting in terms of blitzing, because there's been lots of evidence that um wilkes loves blitzing lots i'm more of a believer if you can get away with rushing four then your team's in a better state because of the coverage what sort of pff scene with that sort of stuff yeah i mean the hard part about the hard part about pressure is that 
it's not – I mean, pressure generally does make a quarterback do worse. Um, but if you have to scheme it up, um, that's why we see all the instability in quarterback performance under pressure because a lot of times the pressure will come, but it won't be enough to perturb a pass. Or because, like, your, your defense is left vulnerable, um, you, you sort of have, uh, you know, a, a, a big play for the offense – because you're blitzing. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think the, the more often you can rush three or four guys and get home, uh, the better. I also think like having good corners. So the difficulty here is going to be Wilkes in, in Arizona took guys who were pretty good in the man scheme, you know, namely Patrick Peterson, made them into a zone type defense. I wonder like what exactly he's going to do with the Denzel Wards of the world. And is he going to construct the defense via the draft because the Browns still need cornerbacks. Are they going to draft cornerbacks who are sort of like more inclined to be zone players, more inclined to, uh, you know, you know, have that as their skill set? Because that's tough to translate, right? Like J- uh, Tredavious White's a brilliant player in the Bills defense, but you never know if they were to ever switch defensive schemes, if he'd be as good uh, in a different scheme. So it, it, it it's a really interesting question. And I would say, you know, the more often that you can get by with getting pressure with four guys, the better. But also, like, it all hinges on the fact that you need corners and, and safeties that can cover. Um, that's good stuff. And ho- hopefully we do see a lot of uh, four-man rushes for the Browns. In terms of pressure on that D-line, um, PFF were very positive about the Vernon addition. Uh, Richardson was one of those players they said was just solid every year. And it was good to hear... With that improvement and there is more depth, how, how much is that going to improve or is it very much we need to get some more depth at corner first if we really want to make that jump? Yeah, so Vernon was worth about a half a win last year. Sheldon Richardson worth about a two-fifths of a win. So those two guys combined along with, you know, you're starting to build a pretty good defensive line. The issue, again, is as you, as, you know, we've alluded to, pressure even the best defenses get pressure on the quarterback about 35 percent of the time so the other 65 percent of the time you need to have players who can cover and you know ward had a great rookie year struggled with injuries a little bit um you're really good at the safety position i think even though you got you know peppers is gone i think like i think you know i think you're pretty much set up front you 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 really do have to invest and what's really nice is i do think that there, there is some depth of the cornerback position in this draft but um, I wouldn't put it past the Browns considering how sort of sharp they've become to trade uh, maybe a, a mid-round to later pick for a veteran corner uh, to come in and, and add some uh, you know stability to that secondary. That would be a good move. Um, I'm always up for adding corners. Um, PFF Steve bangs the drum for cornerbacks mm-hmm. every time he speaks. Yeah, and and like so, I mean, Denzel Ward as a rookie only played eight, you know 841 snaps. He's worth about four-fifths of a win. So you're talking about like a very, very valuable part uh, of taking that team from a zero win team one year to a seven win team the next. And I think, you know, the additions of Beckham, the adi- but you're going to think probably have some regression out of Mayfield. You're probably going to have some regression out of Ward and Garrett, uh, you know, but all the, the retooling that you guys have done with wide receiver and then the defensive line, I think that the, the, the one thing left on the table is going to be coverage. And I think that, you know, the, the way around that is to get a lot of bodies in the room and possibly some veterans uh, via the draft picks because, you know, that's really what can tank a defense. And even though I think the Browns will compete for the AFC North next year, there are obviously ways in which, you know, they might not be, be able to take the next step. The 
offensive line is getting a lot of love. Um, I think it's seen sort of there's more interest in it from GMs and front offices. I think over the last couple of years, the Colts obviously did a really good job. I think they had was it eight player, eight or nine players with above average PFF grades um, last season. So a lot of talent there and depth. Is that something that comes up in war, or is that not as important? Each of the each of the individual offensive linemen is not worth as much. But but again, like I said, like I think the the thing about offensive line play is what you really want is you really want to avoid the have being being below replacement level. The 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 amount that you can hurt an offense by being a bad left tackle is so much more detrimental than what being elite at left tackle benefits an offense. And and Browns fans know this because Joe Thomas was you know as good as any player's ever been at the position and it never really moved the needle for the Cleveland Browns as a team um whereas you know teams that have had really awful offensive lines we've seen that tank teams so like it's it's really asymmetric um so it does show up in war you get a pretty good idea and, and honestly like the year-to-year correlations in war between you know between players in the offensive line is pretty impressive so we're really happy with that um, but I think what the Browns need to do is, you know, is make sure that they're focused on um, getting above, you know, the Chris Hubbard was, I think, a little bit below replacement level last year, you know, but it wasn't so bad to tank that offense. I think that like making sure that you have depth there, making sure that you have, you know, really good players, you know, on the offensive line so that if you get injury or you get, you know, a little bit of extra pressure on, you know, you know, because you're not successful running the football on first and second down, all those types of things. I think the Browns just have to guard against that so that their offense doesn't take a step back this year. Uh, that's fantastic. Is there anything else you want to add? I've found it fascinating just sitting here asking you loads of random questions. Uh, yeah. So we're, I mean, the, the draft is, you know, and, uh, three, three, four weeks away. So we're really excited for that. Um, I think in the next few days, I'll have an article coming up talking about offensive line and sort of how grades, at the college level, translate the grades at the pro level for offensive linemen in the PFF system. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and yeah, uh, after you're done listening to this great podcast, go ahead and go to iTunes or Podcast One and listen to the PFF forecast. We're, you know, very we we like to talk about teams that are making moves like the Browns. So uh, looking forward to that. No, it is an absolutely fantastic podcast, guys. Make sure you go and subscribe to that. I'm going on the record. It's the best PFF podcast. Um, I love Sam, love Steve, but uh, these two, um, I've got it absolutely nailed. And one final question on that: Do you still have the White Snake T-shirt, or is it gone in the bin? It is. Uh, it has been. Um, it's uh, up on the wall. Like we've mounted it on the wall. Well, that is fantastic to hear, Eric. Plug yourself. Where can people find you on Twitter? And uh, obviously, everyone knows where PFF is. Uh, PFF underscore Eric on Twitter. Uh, give me a shout. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting some more with Browns fans. You guys are the best. No, thank you so much. Keep up the absolute fantastic work. And make sure you go listen to that podcast, guys. There is so much good content in the offseason is the best time to get on their podcast because they can chat about more detailed things that they're not able to get to like during the season. So you'll hear debates on left versus right tackle, coverage versus um, pressure. You hear loads of awesome stuff. So the off-season is the best time for PFF uh, forecast podcast. So um, no, thank you so much for coming on and having a fantastic week ahead. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's the ching, it's the ching,